Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Isaiah 24a, Ishayahu 24a. And this is Saul Weinerb, your host for this podcast. In this chapter 24, Isaiah begins a series of several chapters as he describes what is often called the apocalypse. Although the commentaries have many opinions regarding the interpretation of the events described in this chapter, I am going to choose the path of the Radak, who explains that these events are an apocalyptic vision of the future. Most modern commentaries agree that this interpretation is the most likely meaning of these verses. However, before we read this chapter together, I want to point out several ideas that are critical to understanding Isaiah and his apocalyptic visions in general, and this chapter specifically. Most importantly, these ideas are critical to understanding Yeshayahu, Isaiah, and the message he is teaching us. Because it is a long chapter, I will break it up into pieces to keep the podcast short, but this introduction I'm giving now applies to all of the series of podcasts I will be doing on this chapter 24. The first idea is the idea of universalism and the God of Israel. We mentioned this idea in our introduction to Isaiah, and it has appeared repeatedly throughout our podcasts many times so far. However, this chapter is perhaps the most profound explication of this idea, and I therefore want to turn your attention towards it. When Yeshayahu uses the term, the God of Israel, he means that the people of Israel are fortunate to have been chosen, to have been taught these ideas of monotheism, the belief in a God of justice, a God that expects people to build a just and righteous society, and in return, he will guide the people and bring them prosperity. Yeshayahu believed that the people of Israel had the mission and responsibility to bring this message and teach it to all of humanity, no matter how distant, even to Israel's enemies. The fulfillment of this mission would be when the entire universe would worship God together and justice and righteousness would reign supreme in every nation and in every people with the unity of purpose of serving God. The God of Israel is therefore not called the God of Israel because he prefers Israel over other nations, but rather he is the God of Israel because the people of Israel are the vehicle through which God is introducing himself to all of humanity with the intent and purpose of bringing all of humanity into one great whole. I want you to look out carefully during this chapter to see this idea. The second idea is the idea of justice and righteousness. A recurring theme throughout Yeshayahu is also very clearly described by him in this chapter. But I know that I've been saying this term so many times, but here this idea is brought out in a little bit more of a dramatic way. The apocalypse is not just a time of random destruction and disaster, but it is a time where the true justice of God will finally be clear to all of humanity. Yes, he does describe suffering, but not random awful events. Rather, it is a time in which it is clear that God is settling his accounts, so to speak. It will be obvious why people are suffering. It will be obvious that it is just and from God, and the aim is to bring people to the knowledge of God in order to redeem the people and bring them to a wonderful place. The aim is not for revenge or some kind of uh, sadistic desire to make people suffer. Isaiah never takes satisfaction in punishment, even of Israel's enemies. He always wants the people to learn their lessons, repent, and come back to God. 
Number three, and this is a very strong idea which um, appears in many places throughout the Torah, but in this chapter it is extremely uh, uh, deeply and, and richly described. That is the relationship between people and their environment. In this chapter, an idea that is often described by the great thinker Maimonides finds its expression through the words of Isaiah the prophet himself, that there is a natural connection between the behavior and justice of people and society and the natural environment within which they live. In this chapter, Isaiah calls it the arets, the earth itself. Injustice, corruption, exploitation of others, all of that leads directly to neglect of the earth and the earth itself rejects and rebels against the people. That is not, this is not described by Ishayahu as a miraculous sort of consequence, i.e. it is not that God decides to make the earth shake or burn or dry out or have hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes, etc. But rather, when people do not respect each other, then they do not respect their environment either, and the earth itself rebels. This is how Maimonides, the great Jewish philosopher, generally explains the chapters in the Torah that describe things such as drought and other calamities that are described as a consequence of our sins. It is not a supernatural occurrence, so to speak, but a natural consequence of the world as it was created by God. When we disrespect each other and we are corrupt, the earth itself is neglected and the earth itself rejects this corruption and unfortunately suffering ensues. In light of our current modern understanding, this idea is so deeply reflected in our days as we can see how the overwhelming amount of what can be called sometimes natural disasters are really only a consequence of our own selfishness and behavior as human beings. And number four, the recognition of God, that the salvation of the world can come from the most unlikely places. Ishayahu teaches that the nations that see through the tumultuous events and learn the lessons and teach the world may be nations and peoples of whom we aren't even familiar. It may come from the farthest corners of the earth, not from within Israel, not from within the nations with whom Israel is familiar, not from the powerful empires, but maybe from far-flung cultures and peoples that we may not even know. According to Ishayahu, all of humanity is included in this vision, and salvation can come from anywhere. And we can and should learn and respect all peoples because we are all in this together. So these are the four ideas I want you to look for carefully. Number one, Ishayahu's understanding of universalism and what the God of Israel and the mission of Israel is. Number two, the idea that the purpose of this suffering is in order to demonstrate true justice and bring people back to God. Number three, the relationship between people and their environment. And number four, the fact that all people, even and maybe especially people that are, are, are at the edges of society, may just be the ones from whom salvation comes. I'm going to begin by studying the first five verses today in this podcast. And I will then, as I said, we're going to break up this chapter in a few different parts simply because of its length. Let's start with verse 1. Behold, God will cause the entire earth to crack and dry up. The earth will be bare, and the people that dwell upon the earth will scatter across the earth as refugees, trying to find safety and sustenance. And 
Kakone kamocher, kamalve kalove, kanoshek asher nushebo. Once societies begin to crumble, all of the artificial classes and differences among the people that were imposed by the various civilizations will disappear. People will recognize how artificial those distinctions were. When we are all seeking the basics of food and safety, suddenly it doesn't matter anymore whether you are a priest or a nobleman, a master or a slave, man or woman or whatever, to translate that verse. And it will be... The layman and the priest will be the same. The slave and his master will be the same. The maidservant and her mistress will be the same. The buyer and the seller. The borrower and the lender. The creditor and the debtor. All of them will be in the same abode. Hibok tibok haaretz. Vihibos tibos. Ki Adonai diberes hadavar hazeh. The earth shall be bare, it is abused. Hibos Tibos, the repetition of this word abused in both tenses, is where Yeshayahu, Isaiah, describes to us both the reason and the result of what is happening. The earth is being abused, is both why this is happening, and it is also the result of the people's behavior, because the people abused the earth. Hibok, tibok, the earth bare was treated that way, and therefore it is bare. The earth was abused, and therefore it is acting abused, because God has spoken this thing, because this is how God runs his world. Again, Yeshayahu, in the next verse, verse 4, again doubly emphasizes this idea, avla navla ha'aretz. Mourning and suffering was forced upon the land by its people, and therefore the land began to mourn and wither in response to its treatment. Umlala navla tevel, the tevel, which refers to the entire world environment, is umlala navla. For another time, he emphasizes the two tenses. It is desolate and acting desolate because it was desolated by its people. Marom amhaaretz. And what was ultimately the cause? It was desolated by the marom, the lofty arrogance of the people who lived upon the land. Those are the ones who are responsible for treating the world this way and why the world is now rejecting its people. Vihaaretz chanfa tachat And the land... For the land was defiled underneath its inhabitants. Why? What? How was the land defiled? And I want to emphasize this term chanfa is 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 I, I translate it as defiled, but it refers to in in Hebrew it refers to being taken advantage of. Lachanov connotes a behavior where people flatter and pretend to love something or someone, but they are really just taking advantage of it. What a powerful metaphor this is. The land, land is being abused in such a manner, manner by its inhabitants. How and why? What in what way did they abuse it? Ki avru torot. They transgressed the Torah, the moral teachings. They transgressed morality. They switched out just justice and law, and they switched it out for corruption. They broke, they defiled, they broke the ancient covenant between God and humanity, where God expects justice and righteousness, and instead they gave it corruption. Yahweh is here describing how. How did people abuse the land? by building corrupt, unjust, and prideful and arrogant societies. Think about the ideas that I mentioned in the introduction, how these first five verses Ishayahu described the idea of the suffering coming because of injustice and the relationship between, between 
uh, people and the environment within which they live. Thank you so much for joining us for this 24A. Looking forward to continuing the study of this chapter in 24B.